What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And uh, that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts giving more visibility on the national and international level and helping strangers find the podcast. Just a great way to contribute to the growth and uh, sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. And uh, I appreciate you just for tuning in and checking this thing out. I hope that uh, this helps you escape your quarantine situation for whatever it is for the next hour or so. And uh, you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents Presents, Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and and live show performances. And uh, you can click subscribe there, and then you'll know when the the next video hits the feed. And uh, dancablepresents.com is the central location to find everything, the new episode, Always uh, hits the main page there as soon as it's available. Or you can just click subscribe wherever you're listening to this from. And then you will know when the the new podcast episode is available. And you don't have to go looking for it every Friday to, to, uh, to know when it's out. So do that. And you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Dan Cable Presents. I really am struggling to say presents today. Um, but I'm at Dan Cable Presents. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes so that you can uh, you can give me a follow if you if you would like. And I will put all the links for for Luke Neal, who is my guest on episode two oh nine of the of the podcast. I'll put his links in there too, so you can follow him if you uh, if you dig Luke's work or if you just want to you know find out more about him. Super good dude. Super stoked to uh, have him back on the show it's been a couple years since i uh had him on the podcast but he uh he's a big supporter of this local portland music scene which is rad and i met luke when he was uh doing a lot of work at portland radio project with his uh his weekly show called pdx spotlight which i was such a big fan of and grateful that he gave me the opportunity to go hang out with him on the air several times and uh yeah we just kind of became fast friends and uh connected heavy through uh music and movies and tv and um yeah it was nice to to get to catch up with him and kind of spent the first 15 20 minutes of this thing doing just that and seeing what was going on and seeing what luke had been watching and occupying his time with during this this era of quarantine so uh yeah man we linked up on the phone like responsible individuals and did that whole thing 
And uh, I really can't wait until I can do a podcast with someone in the same room again. That's going to be that's going to be really rad. But um, appreciate Luke recording his end of the conversation on his end and taking care of that so we can get a nice clean feed for the episode. And uh, so you'll you would never even know that we were in in a different room if it wasn't for me letting you know right now. You wouldn't even know. But, uh, yeah, we hopped on the phone for like an hour, caught up. We talked about uh, all this producing work that Luke's been doing and uh, chatted about some of the artists that he was working with. So cool to uh, to dive into that. Luke has a, um, a home studio called Track 11 Studios, and uh, that link will definitely be in the episode notes as well. And, and he is... Uh, yeah, man, just producing a lot of cool stuff out of uh, out of his studio, and really stoked to see him uh, kind of becoming one of the staples of the the pop scene here in Portland, as far as people you know in that world and kind of go to producers. He's definitely someone that I uh, recognize as on that list of people. So that's that's. Uh, it's really rad to see that develop over the last few years since Luke and I have gotten to know each other and uh, always always enjoy hanging with this dude. So um, I hope that you all are uh, hanging tough in these current times and finding ways to keep yourself busy if you're not going to a regular day job and uh, finding creative ways to to occupy your time or i i don't know if you're sitting at home and just bullshitting and playing video games all day that's cool too and binge watching tv i'm about it if that's what if that's what your thing is if that's what what's making you happy then then do your do your do your thing that's a uh, rather deep cut reference there but anyway um the point is i hope that you're staying fresh and uh figuring out how to get through this uh uncertain time and uh i've been doing a lot of podcasting and i guess i was i was just gonna drop something new in the feed within the next couple weeks but it gets mentioned in this episode so yeah look out for that look out for i dig records the reboot of uh, a podcast that i started with my cousin before this dan cable presents thing ever existed but within this feed i'm gonna start releasing uh more music podcast content which will um yeah hopefully be coming at you every other week or so so look out for that and uh towards the end of the episode luke talks about a contest that he's going to be launching hopefully in may so keep your ears open for that stay tuned for it uh like i said all the links are going to be in the episode notes and uh if this is your first time listening I hope that you go back and check out some prior episodes. The last two have been a lot of fun uh, doing these phoners with people and getting to connect with some folks that are out of town and and some old return guests as well, like my my man Luke Neal today. Always good to uh, to check in with people, and uh, I feel like this is a great time to be checking in with people. It's the only way we get to get to hang right now is if you uh pick up the phone or jump on a computer in front of a a screen and whatnot so um trying to make the most of these times and check in on my people and uh see what's good out there so uh 
Thank you for tuning in. Can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough. Luke Neal, he's a uh, he's a multi multi instrumentalist. He's a, a songwriter and a producer and just a really great fucking dude. And uh, we're gonna feature a few tracks on this episode that he has uh, he's worked on recently. And uh, the first track that we're gonna get into is from a group called Cloudlines, who has been featured on this podcast before. Uh, Emily and Beach are awesome. And they are putting out some killer tunes. So I was really stoked when I saw um, that they had linked up with Luke to work on this track a bit. And uh, we're going to get into it, man. Episode 209 is coming at you. Luke Neal's on the program. And uh, we're kicking it off with a track called Down from Cloudlines. Let's do the damn thing. Myself alone at home, hiding while I'm weak down, hiding while I'm weak down. But I never find any other life I'm looking for. I'm lonely while I'm weak down, lonely while I'm weak down. Trying to stop, trying to stay.
right, man. You ready to do this thing? I am. Yeah. Um, it has been uh, it's been a minute since we've uh, we've caught up. Last time yeah, I saw I... you, we went and saw Midsummer. What a great night! That was pretty cool. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, uh, that movie is has really uh, yeah that that one rides the the top of the list out of uh, these last few years, if not all time. That that's like an all time movie for me. That whole experience was very wild. Yeah, I agree. It was cool. It was a nice surprise, and it was one of those that was like. I don't know. There's always so much hype these days on some of these indie films, but it lived up to it. I was impressed. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like uh, a lot of our hangs end up being like this exchange of, uh, you know, just trading music back and forth and, and discussing movies and, and uh, things of that nature. So I was just kind of curious what you've been occupying your your quarantine time with lately <laughs> yeah that's the other big thing that's changed <laughs> since we kicked <laughs> yeah, it. yeah right um, you, you can't even do that now yeah for real uh i mean we've been just kind of doing it day to day um doing our part you know staying inside i'm lucky enough to have um the production studio here so i've been able to work on projects my last client interfacing um i think was the first week of March we did some tracking and stuff but I got a handful of projects to keep me busy and past that like you know everybody else we we binge watched Tiger King and that was a trip <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> so good that everybody's just after Carol Baskin now it's crazy everybody man. like can't stand that woman <laughs> they're all off-putting but I agree like at least Joe Exotic was entertaining Carol just <laughs> seems yeah she has a punchable face yeah they're all pretty wild um <laughs> I heard that they're already like maybe there's going to be another episode added to the Netflix one like there's yeah. a bunch more footage and then I guess someone else is already talking about doing another series about it so and can, there's a there's a tie to our local music scene here. Uh, what is that? So get this. There's a country band in Vancouver, Washington, that has been ghostwriting for him. All of the vocals and oh, stuff yeah, for his dude. videos. That's not even him no, singing it. No, it definitely isn't. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, you know, the the most obvious uh, thing from the show. But yeah, he, he definitely is not singing in those. And they were like their country band from Vancouver. And to this point, as of this morning, they hadn't seen the documentary yet. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. I just found that out. I'm going to try to get that band on this podcast. Hell yeah. Why not? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll see after this if I can find the name for You're gonna you. You're going to know but what's yeah. happening with that. <laughs> yeah. Geez. I guess they said that they sent him or that he would send the band lyric ideas or partially shot videos for them to be inspired by <laughs> <laughs> now that's the b-roll i want to see that's the documentary it's so good that you can like clearly tell that it's just all ghost written and he's not <laughs> actually singing or anything it's the best and for a moment in one of the you know episode one or two i was like all right he's got a production studio there maybe he's bringing in a band but you know now it was clearly outsourced <laughs> <laughs> the music videos though are amazing oh they're epic yeah those are fantastic i mean this it's unfortunate but this guy's like living the most 
the peak of his fame and he's <laughs> behind bars right now. Like, good God. Right? Poetic justice, I guess. He's all stoked about it though, that he's all that he's become super famous. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's, for being it's a piece of shit. Going. <laughs> yeah. Not bad for a piece of shit. <laughs> but what's up? You think you think Carol fed her husband to the tiger? I mean, it's if you go back and watch when she talks about him, it's so flippant and she seems like almost like a teenage girl trying to distract from the fact that she clearly killed her husband. Yeah. Like it, it makes sense. She had all the motive in the world and her <laughs> life has been great ever since. Yeah, it's so good that they got like the the guy's daughters and his first wife and stuff to be on the documentary too and just <laughs> just call her out for being a terrible Ooh, person. His brutal. <laughs> so good, dude. Yeah, that Oh man, it's it's uh, very fun to see something like that take the whole world by storm. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, insane. Yeah, like if you haven't seen Tiger King yet, I don't know what what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you have to watch it. I just seen so many other people posting about it and all the memes, and I'm like, I I, I can't miss this, and really have no excuse to miss this part of the culture. <laughs> For sure, it's uh. yeah. It's just great because they, if they both would have just left each other alone, none of this would have happened. Oh, it's all pride <laughs> game so for good. sure. Yeah, it's brilliant. So good. Um, yeah, man. What other what other things have been uh, keeping you busy? What have you been? Well, any any uh, solid movies that you've seen lately? You know what we. Uh haven't been watching many movies like i said mostly the the we've been going through uh tiger king we also just finished hbo's succession which was brilliant i'm working on it i'm working yeah i gotta get through season two yep just we just finished season two and i don't know like anything else that was in production whether or not season three is going to be back soon or not but uh yeah very satisfied with that i also watched uh the outsider miniseries on hbo and that was like the perfect mix of anybody who likes suspenseful horror and true crime. And the, it was written in such a way that it plays to both the skeptic viewer and also someone who maybe wants to see something supernatural. Yeah. Um, I thought that show was super great. Yeah. I, One of my favorites the last couple of years for sure. I found the... Uh, the finale of it to be a little anticlimactic, but uh, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. I always kind of see, and I'm this way with Breaking Bad. However, I think that finale is perfect, but it's usually for me, it's the last couple episodes of each season before the finale where things are just really brilliant. And I kind of felt that way about The Outsider. Like the last, the two before the finale were just so genius. good. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, the the concepts in that show were were pretty killer. That that is definitely one that I've been encouraging people to check out as well. Definitely well like, acted. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some really some really great acting in that show. Yeah, and ton of great actors. I mean, it's I would have never thought that I would love Jason Bateman for this type of stuff, but not only acted, he directed a lot of the episodes. Right. Yeah, and uh, 
He's also really solid in Ozark, too, I think. I haven't dug into that third season yet, but... I'm still about in the middle of season two. Yeah. I need to get I need to get through Ozark. It's Yeah, it's another one. He's just brilliant. Yeah, we've enjoyed those shows. We also have uh, Starship Battleship set up on our coffee table right now. Okay. Or Star Wars, Star Wars Battleship. All right. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, we both paint. Um, and since we're quarantined together, we, you know, we'll walk around downtown the first official week of the quarantine. Uh, Sarah took her camera out and took pictures of the empty streets because it was fascinating, but it's also history. Like, I don't know when we'll see the world or our city like that again. So we've been doing social distancing responsibly, but we also do our best to, to get out of the house, which was tough. I just got over a sinus infection and I didn't have my voice. So it's like... I knew I was okay, but the times I left the house and I had to speak to anybody, I felt like, man, (laughs) really freaking these people out. I better get home. (laughs) (laughs) It was easy if I didn't want people around me. I would just start. I'd lean into my cough a little bit, (laughs) make some room at the grocery store. No. uh, Yeah, strange days for sure. We're just trying to entertain ourselves in in the normal ways. And then, you know, between that normal stuff, I'm... Working in the studio on a bunch of projects. It's it's weird because people see, like, in the fall, I had a bunch of releases in succession from some artists. And it seems like you're really busy at that time. But that was all stuff from the last six months that was being worked on and right. released. So, luckily, I'm kind of in one of those phases right now where there are definitely some releases with artists I was working with that need to be pushed back. But, um, yeah, I'm still fortunate to have this here and be able to create and work on stuff and you know, kick it here and have a nice chat with you. For sure, man. Um, and you, you live in downtown Portland. So what, what is, uh, what is like your view like these days? Is it just a ghost town out there? Cause you can, you, I don't know, you're high enough up where you, you can see a lot going on below you. I feel like. Yeah, we're over by, um, PSU. And I say that cause it's usually super busy. You know, there's foot traffic on fourth all the time. Um, you know, across the, the way there's just so many um, PSU or, or uh, city of Portland buildings. It is weird to see and also hear because um, you could usually hear 405 uh, where we're at. And the, you know, the, the road's just quieter. There's less people out at night. There's definitely less foot traffic. Um, but one thing that is cool because of where we're at is we're able to participate every night at 7 p.m. And that, uh, you know, we, we go out there. I've got a like an old teapot, I wail on it with a, a wooden spoon. And <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we say our thank yous. And, the you know, the the building's pretty big. We're 14 stories, so everyone's lighting it up at night, like just trash cans. And, I mean, it's, it's a huge racket. So despite it being eerie and creepy, there's usually, you know, three to four minutes of applause every night, and you feel like, you know, we're not alone in this. We got other people nearby that are dealing with the same thing. Yeah, man, that's very cool. But yeah, it's it's a little bit like out of a movie. It's very Vanilla Sky esque when for sure Tom's character yeah, in the in the abandoned New York. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I don't know. Even walking around in that area after ten p.m. can be pretty quiet as it is. So I can't imagine yeah. what it is like now at all times. Some of the businesses have 
you know, some cool things up. Like we just recently had a CVS open. So they're, they're still open. And when you go in there, like for prescriptions or whatever, they've got certain things closed off and there's a ton of signage everywhere. But then you walk around to these other businesses that you just, uh, we all took for granted that used to be open. And there's signs up that are custom made, signs of hope. You know, we do have a lot of people in the area that have been doing the sidewalk chalk art. And, you know, it's a mix of, you see the the best and the worst. I think the not knowing right now is what's freaky to all of us. And we're just, you got to just hang on because none of us know how the story's going to end. None of us have been through this. Right. I'm just trying to figure out like these new normals. Because, yeah, this could go on for, you know, many more months like this. So it's, uh, I don't know. I just try not to get too caught up in the news. And that seems to serve me well. <laughs> Yeah, but trying nice to balance. Yeah, trying to stay informed though as well. You know, I don't want to be blind and not know what's going on. You know, but sure. just trying to hopefully just keep, like swallow those official statements and then not get too hung up on seeing the death toll go up every day and things like that is fucking wild, man. Yeah, especially this week, it's supposed to be really bad. And a, a couple of weeks ago, we, we've got a, a Roku, so we downloaded the Newsy app. And Newsy's really good. I'll give them a plug. But they kind of like do a non-talking head, non-bias, here's your stories in rapid succession. It's a really cool source, you know, whether YouTube or Roku app. Newsy's been exactly that. It's information without speculation, and you can digest it and move on. That's cool. Yeah, it's a. What have you been doing? I mean, you're still releasing content. The podcast is still kicking ass. What, how are you passing your days when you're not doing that? Fuck, dude, I'm still going to work, like at the bakery. Right. So it's kind of, I don't know. In some ways, things haven't changed so much for me, except that we operate at different hours now. So we're we're only open. We're open a shorter period of time, so I have a few extra hours here and there throughout each day which has been nice but yeah i've just been trying to bury my head into doing some dj mixes and i don't know man doing more podcast stuff and trying to keep this thing rolling every week and just trying to figure out how to uh you know keep the phoners these phone interview type things rolling i'm trying to take advantage of maybe some artists that are stranded at home and maybe want something to do maybe an artist that normally wouldn't have the time to do something like this you know hey that's a great call <laughs> maybe they're sitting home bored so you know i'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and you know keep just shooting emails into the dark and seeing who Hell wants yeah. to uh who wants to jump on the line and do this thing so <laughs> in a month you're like andrew mcmahon <laughs> kicking it with me yeah right that's the i mean that's the goal but uh dude why not yeah um my cousin and i before i started this podcast i had a a podcast i started with him called i dig records and we would just uh each pick a record and we we almost did it like book club style where we would each listen to the record and then discuss it and dive into key tracks and then play the record in the background during some certain parts and whatnot for reference so uh we're very determined to bring that back and we recorded an episode the other day so oh cool i'm gonna put that out soon and i'm gonna put that out actually in this feed as just a separate thing it won't be 
like episodes of the Dan Cable Presents podcast, but it will just be like I Dig Records coming out in in this feed, almost a sub podcast of the podcast, you know? Yeah, it's a nice feature. That'll be cool. Yeah, so we're going to try and put a couple of those out every month and yeah, just screwing around, man, doing this Bible Buds podcast. Yeah, with, you've with, been killing uh, it with that. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that with Andrew from uh from brother not brother and uh yeah that's been a lot of fun screwing around talking about theology getting super baked (laughs) doing (laughs) doing the thing not a bad combination yeah i don't know it's fun to talk to the people that have had maybe an upbringing of religion and don't identify with it anymore things of that nature Yeah, so. that would that would be I. I've had plenty of those conversations. Well, we'll put you in the pool of uh, right on, yeah. of upcoming guests. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm d- I'm down for both <laughs> Bible Bible talk and some buds. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can uh, pick out your favorite Bible verses, and we'll uh, we'll analyze those with you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but since the last time you were on the podcast, you were uh, you have. You've definitely shifted more into uh, this producer role where uh, when we chatted last time on on the actual podcast, you were still doing a lot of radio stuff and doing your your weekly radio show at Portland Radio Project, which I kind of thought was the kind of thought your show was the the gem of the the programming Uh, going on over there, man. I really liked I always really dug the just the uh the setup of your show and what you tried to get out of it and in kind of just really diving into artist influences and getting to sit there and listen to music that really influenced them with them in the room and getting to talk to them about it and seeing how it kind of like bleeds into their songwriting and whatnot yeah thanks man it was uh it was really enjoyable and as kind of a a show format it's pretty easy to get into somebody's you know personal space or their feelings which every interviewer wants to do so you get that you know the real content you know and uh talking to people about the music they grew up with it's just you are automatically disarmed i can genuinely say from you know 14 year old singer songwriters starting their career and their craft to seasoned professionals who were toward the world, I never had a bad experience talking to folks about music they grew up with. And I mean, it was always inviting. And then, like you said, springboard that into how it's impacted their art. It's just a natural progression. And I, I really never got sick of it because everybody's story is different. You know, it was, it was a good time. Good chapter for me, for sure. For sure. And it's what you do with people anyway. Like, I feel like that's what we usually yeah. do when we hang out. We just... You know, just like, ah, oh, have you heard this song before? And then, you know, just going into these deep discussions and the story tangents that, that go off from that. Some of the best nights are, yeah, just imp- improv listening parties. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was cool. I, uh, I was there until uh, early May of uh, 2019. Yep, yeah, then went full-time into track 11 here. For sure. And... Uh, yeah, it seems like you've been doing doing some work with a lot of the the local artists here in Portland. 
Yeah, I've been super fortunate. It kind of started by chance um, with the production with the local scene. I'd say fall of 18, Ashley Curvabon uh, of Women Crush Music was over here. We were co-writing something, and Kingsley was here. She was working on a record at the time, and she wasn't super happy with some string section she had on a track, and she sent the stems over, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. I compose some strings with my buddies, Tyler and Cameron, back in Arizona, and then I came up with a piano part and some guitar stuff, and then the, the spring after that, just before I'd, I'd left the radio station, um, she'd gotten together with me to produce an acoustic record for her, and we tracked that here with a bunch of really cool um, Portland artists. Amy uh, Evans is on that record. Uh, Cheng Park, who's in Otta, BC, and just a bunch of really cool projects. Yeah. He played horns on that record. So. That dude's killer. Yeah, just fantastic. So I, you know, shout out to Kingsley for kind of getting me uh, the foothold in the music scene. And just shortly after that, I started producing um, JoJo Scott's debut EP, and both were just really fulfilling. They both released in June of last summer, and just about a month after I started doing this full time. And after that, yeah, man, just a variety of different pop to singer songwriter um, uh, in the Portland area. I've got one client. Um, from Seattle right now as well. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And even, uh, I don't know, it sounds like, like you were saying, you kind of, uh, kind of just stumbled into it, picking up steam, but was that something in the back of your mind that you'd been wanting to do for a while and shift more into a producing type role? Yeah. Back in, uh, uh, I moved to Portland in 2014 so a couple years before that I had started ramping up uh, uh, like a similar thing just to produce artists and I found also too like a lot of folks didn't know how to copyright their own material and that was a lot more important back in the day before like BMI or whoever does your distribution will do that for you now but um, so it was kind of a little bit of both I, I wanted to do some music business mentorship in Phoenix and also client-facing song production stuff. And I worked with um, one artist out there who's in L.A. now. Her name is Hannah Serrell and um, did a cool pop song. But shortly after that, we didn't have plans to move, but we visited Portland, and it just seemed like a great fit. And so I knew at one point in time I'd want to pick that up here in Portland, but I didn't want to rush it. I kind of felt like I want to get to learn the city, get to learn the scene, get to, you know, I don't want it to be anything other than organic. And it really wasn't until Kingsley was like, you know, you should be working with more artists. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to head down and do this. Yeah, dude. It's cool that you kind of did spend a bunch of time kind of, uh, just creating relationships in the scene before you even started doing any of that stuff. Yeah. A lot of the early clients I had were Exactly that. People that I'd worked with um, through PDX Spotlight or PRP. And then from there, you know, it feels really good when you get to work with the people you know, but it feels especially great when you get uh, unsolicited emails or messages on social media, folks that want to work with you. And I've done that like Grant Brett has been really great to work with. Um, Michael White, they, they both contacted me out of, uh, you know, word of mouth from somebody else. And that's really really cool to see yeah is your approach different with each artist that you're working with or do you feel like you have 
some sort of model at this point that proves to be successful in bringing out the best in the project? Yeah, I think um, just a couple different perspectives. Like I'll do a lot of vocal session um, and just record vocals and then send those stems to whoever's mixing um, the record. So recently, uh, Emily Aldridge from Sacrifice to Survive and uh, Tall, Dark and Whimsy, she came in and did some vocals for a prog rock record and I ended up sending those out. So those sessions are very much like how how do I just get the cleanest vocal for you? Because they're going to do reverb and whatever post effects on on their side. So that's that approach is much more tactile and f- not that it is like a job, but that feels more like the job side of it when opposed to an artist who even comes in like with a backing track, like a lot of the pop I've been doing, some artists have brought in stuff that they've purchased. So that approach is a little bit more creative, but still limited, but you can do some soundscapey stuff with vocals, but it's all like, I like to learn what the song is about. Cause I think that also gets the artist in the state of mind when you're there, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that th- those are a little bit more limited, but you could still be creative with what they do vocally. And then the other stuff like with Kingsley or Jojo Scott or uh, there's a synthwave unannounced project I'm working on that's really dope that I've uh, worked with from top to bottom. And those are really cool because then you can bounce back and forth drum ideas or melodic ideas and have, you know, four or five people in the room with you and really hammer and chisel some stuff out. And that's the most fulfilling to me is when somebody brings in an idea that they put together in garage band and then you can bring it to, you know, high definition, full fruition type thing. Yeah. When you get to have some creative input and get to help shape the, the tune a little bit. Yeah. Or co-write. Like I find a lot of artists and this isn't uh, a slam on anybody. It's just an early songwriter thing. There's a lot of artists, tend to, especially in pop music, not put as much care into bridges or outros. So I, I'm always encouraging of changing something up or building anticipation or, you know, those moments are really cool when you can hear something and the artist hears it and everybody's on board. The big, I'm a big believer in the what if, you know, I don't ever want to uh, pump the brakes on an artist who has a what if moment. What if we did this? Like those are some of the most brilliant uh, moments you can have in the studio. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> you've had a handful of those. Like, well, you know, what if we put 16 tambourines on this outro? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's also, that's just like the alternative rock kid in you, just knowing that there has to be some sort of monster bridge to to yeah. bring everything together, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all anthemic with me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good bridge. <laughs> I notice guitar solos are coming back these days, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big, fat guitar solos, you know? Just I'll bring whip out my chorus pedal and wah pedal and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go dude. to town, man. Is it, uh, is it pretty mind-blowing to you, the, uh, like, how far the technology has come and the amount of uh, production you're able to do in your home studio? Yeah, and even in the last five years, especially, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have believed an engineer if they said, you know, some of these things that you're hearing are put through a, a plug-in that emulates an old Neve board or, or 
you know, a mic microphone emulator that can shape it to sound like 30 different microphones. Like these things never really crossed my mind. So I was always, I was raised as a huge fan of analog recording. I learned on consoles. That was kind of like my first experience was recording to tape. And uh, as I got into home production, I always just faced the fact that there was limitations. And it wasn't even until maybe 10 years ago that you could get synthetic drums to somewhat sound real where you could fool a real drummer. You know, you could fool average listeners, but to be able to fool musicians has been kind of mind-blowing. But these days, yeah, I'll give a shout-out to Slate Digital. I use a lot of their stuff. Fabrice uh, Gabriel is an engineer that they use who's just a sonic master and has gone in and emulated the sound of circuitry um, from these old analog boards and gear, and it's duplicated. And this gear acts the same way based on how you chain it together. And, uh, yeah, w coupled with that and these virtual tape machines that make it sound like it's running through, you know, inch and a half tape is <laughs> completely mind-blowing. Yeah, I'm, I kind of see it as the best of both worlds. And I think I'm thinking this way because I'm working on the, that Synthwave project. But, like, we recorded analog real like keyboards here in the room, but I programmed all the drums, but I used old vintage like sounds and patches and you really wouldn't be able to tell that it wasn't done analog at the same time as the analog keyboards. And that's been the real trick is you don't have to compromise and be like, oh, I'm going to do a pop drum track. It's like, no, I'll make it sound like old drum machines that were punched into a console. Yeah, dude, it's just insane because... I don't know. When we were younger and growing up, you you kind of had to go to a studio. There wasn't too many people that had any sort of home studio set up. Like it was just a no. necessary thing that you had to go buy out studio time. So even to have a basic home studio set up where you can really hone in some demos so that when you do go to that proper studio, you're really ready to go is is such a like incredible tool to have. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, rule of thumb back in the day. If you were a band that was headed to the studio, record yourself so you could at least hear yourself and practice that. But I can't tell you how many times I've worked with full bands to do recordings back in the day that were just completely lost. They'd practice the songs, but only heard themselves through PA, never recorded anything. And like you said, now just people can send out different versions of mixes to their band members from GarageBand or there's a ton of great free like DAWs online that you can go get and sound great. And I really, I think it's the Renaissance. It's, I liken it a lot to, you know, back in the day when canvas and paints became available to everybody. I think it's with limited tools with, with the basic stock plugins that come in pro tools, you could take, someone with enough engineering knowledge and mixed knowledge that they could put out something with sounds just as good as somebody that has outboard gear and, you know, plugins that kind of knows what they're doing. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's just a game changer too, on the level of, uh, other people being able to, you know, being able to purchase other plugins like that people are creating at home or, or just like those sample packs, like Alex Meltzer from Corgi and bass. He just right. he just recently put out this uh, this drum package, so like you know now you can you can have Meltzer's samples this whole beat pack that he put together with uh, 
with Micah Hummel, who's like another crazy good local Portland musician and geniuses. And then, you know, they're able to hopefully monetize that in some way, even if it's selling them for five to eight dollars on the Internet. You know, they you know, those working musicians need those those dollars. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they can make 50 bucks in a day selling beat packs for a reasonable price. Well, you know, those uh, um, the incredible band Wolfpack, they've been they've had a plug in online that you could get from their website. It's I think it's a guitar compressor or something. But, yeah, they have a virtual plug in that they've so had like for three years. Yeah, it's crazy. So dope. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, we uh, we touched on Kingsley a little bit. You brought her up and uh, figure we we get into this uh, this you didn't track that you worked on with her. Yeah, this was a, a rad collaboration. Um, the music, all the tracks were produced and recorded by the band Butter. Oh, nice, dude. Butter's so good. Oh, so they were fucking just... fucking good. Amazing. One of the most versatile bands in town. Absolutely. Really um, sweet dudes also. Yeah, that's the other thing. They're super cool. They're due for an uh, appearance on the, on the podcast. So, Butter, if you're, uh, if you're out there and you're listening... I haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> yeah, definitely get them on. They're they're good folks. Good interview, good music. They uh and they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I I got all the stems from them for the um backing track. And then Kingsley and I recorded the vocals here and then um I did the final mix and then we shot it off to uh Mr. Jack Kennedy, who's been doing a lot of, of my masters actually and uh doing a bang up job with those. Nice. And you've uh yeah, you've been working with Kingsley, it seems like, for the last year or two since she, like, got you going in this whole situation. Yep, and uh, about, I would say, a year after I moved downtown here in 2017, she moved downtown as well, and, yeah, she's nearby. So it, it's a really good artist-producer relationship. She can hit me up and we can work on things, and, you know, it's nice to... We also work well together. We speak the same studio language now. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure to work with her. Yeah, it's uh, that must be cool when you're when you start building that sort of rapport with an artist that you're working with and you do develop that that language and that vocabulary and you kind of know how one another works and everything starts just becoming super efficient. And uh, yeah. Super rad. Yeah, she's putting out a record this year. Um, again, we were supposed to be working on it like this week. We were supposed to be tracking vocals. But the um, Cats from Butter are involved in the record. Jack Mortensen, there's a bunch to still be announced. I've I've written a song for it. And uh, so it's kind of the same production team um, on this single here that are going to be working on her full-length record that's coming out uh, sometime in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, man. Well, this is, uh, this is You Didn't from Kingsley. I let you down the gate Dictate I let my own fate Lead me astray I let you dominate Always forgave I let my own heart Get in the way That's what I thought You really needed Say that you love me I don't believe it You didn't fall The way that I fell Head over heels I fell by my goddamn self You didn't fall The way that I fell 
So it uh it seems like you're working a lot on the in this kind of indie pop world in in that genre. Yep. Do you, is that uh do you feel like that's happened for a certain reason? Do you think it was just because you started working with Kingsley and that's kind of her world here? I I'm in a fortunate position where I don't work on music that I wouldn't enjoy, right? So I, I do enjoy pop music. People who hear this from some of my earlier chapters in life probably wouldn't believe it. I've always been into, you know, the biggies, and I love uh, the top 40 stuff, but my heart of hearts when I was a musician was the, I've talked about this with you before too, like I was a music snob. I was like, ah, if you're, if you're not yeah. hip with Ani DeFranco or Jeff Buckley, we can't have a combo <laughs> about music. Like right, that's, right. that's no way to be. Uh, so in my older age and, and frankly in the in the uh around 2012 2013 i had a lot of just life-changing traumatic stuff happen that everybody goes through but uh the reason i bring, bring that up for this story is it it changed me like i still really love all the indie stuff pearl jam will forever be my favorite band and i'm jaw dropped by tool every time i hear them but at the time i couldn't get into that the same way i needed something that was a little bit more healing and uh, really gravitated toward pop music about five years ago. And then when I got to Portland, started working with Portland Radio Project, there was like this emerging electronic pop scene, which is what had been resonating with me. And the 80s sound had been coming back. And this 
like hybrid of 90s, 80s, and 2000s pop where people were just picking and taking from these the best parts of all these genres started making incredible music like, uh, you know, Small Million in Town, uh, Talk Modern before uh, they went away. There's just so many really killer bands that you've had on uh, cloud lines um, that are just doing some cool things that I think, not to sound cheesy, I felt like the universe set me up for that, and that's who I've been working with here in Portland. Yeah, man, I, th- I feel like we've uh, definitely had a lot of conversations about kind of both of us coming coming around to more of this pop music, and you're definitely responsible for guiding me towards some of the the pop music that was hat was or is happening here with small million that's one of my favorite portland bands you're the one that turned me on to them and oh, right on. that band continues to just kind of blow my mind with what what they are able to do and in, in the production that is uh coming out of that band is is pretty pretty fucking great um yeah and i think cloud lines was also something i got hip to because of you and uh yeah it's cool that you had the opportunity to to work with emily and beach on that down track which we featured at the top of the episode that was a really cool experience yeah they uh, that one was a vocal tracking but they had um they were kind of stuck on uh on the the hook the back and forth that emily sings in that pre-chorus to chorus kind of like that call and answer yeah we just we work through that here we just let the mic roll and once the artist gets comfortable and we start, you know, between her and Beach and I threw enough around a bunch of ideas, I sent him those stems and then Beach did what he did with that track and made it amazing. But yeah, to kind of help co-produce a little part of that and uh, supply him with some vocals was really cool. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, th- I think you're uh, you're definitely doing a killer job with uh, the production that you're doing with all the tracks you're working on and the the sounds that you're you're getting you're just making these these monster sounding tracks yeah it's recent and thank you uh but that's recently been uh requested especially that one we just heard you did it like i remember getting that and thinking i want this to just <laughs> be a huge euro track and then on top of that kingsley told jack that the master needed to be huge (laughs) and it is it's a really big track (laughs) yeah it's it's very fat it's very fat Um, yeah it's it's been it's been cool the the pop scene here is always evolving and i still consider like the singer songwriter genre to be to lean more pop because i haven't done any like true folk or um like country or like that type of singer songwriter so yeah everything's kind of had its toe in the pop arena yeah, are you uh, during some of these processes? Are you yourself doing a lot of instrumentation on the recordings? Yeah, so like with Kingsley stuff, um, I've been you know keyboards here and there, strings here and there. Um, not a, not a whole lot of instrumentation other than that on JoJo Scott's music. I've been fortunate enough to play um, bass and guitar and program drums uh the last single we put out this last fall she's been into a big throwback sound um fleetwood mac and and the latest if you haven't dug into it i will say as a producer check out the latest solo harry styles record it is such a 
callback to like vintage production and it just is a, some really cool choices love them or hate them like listen to the sounds on that record and, and so we kind of lean that way so he's I got some jams drums. dude he's got dude, some he's, jams it's the best solo move since justin timberlake yeah he's he's a talented fucking dude <laughs> yeah a good choices super tasteful so yeah i've been able to play actually mostly guitar on on the records for clients so that's been cool that's that was my first instrument that's where i feel comfortable it's usually when i'm holding when a artist comes in and we're working through melodies i find if i can figure out on the fretboard where they're singing i can figure out some harmonies and lead parts and that's been really cool to do yeah that's super rad that you get to use some of uh Use some of your skills in that way, too. Get to throw yeah. down on an instrument. Yeah, you find, though, I mean, like, JoJo Scott's putting down some really good acoustic tracks as well. She likes to, I've got a vintage telly, uh, a 72 reissue that she loves to play. So, like, it's cool to see artists who maybe a year ago couldn't have pulled off a rhythm track come in and knock out a, a cool part, you know? For sure. Um, speaking of throwback records, like Indie Pop World, are you do you know about the uh the cockatoo twins heaven or las vegas album have you ever heard no no all right i'm gonna send you i'm gonna send you this uh this record it kind of blew my mind i didn't know about it at all and it's going to be on the uh the reboot episode of that i dig records podcast that i told you about it was a record that my cousin turned me on to but i listened to it and i just heard so much of that indie pop that exists now and i was just kind of blown away because i just had no idea that this was definitely something that you know paved the way for some of the stuff that exists now and i just had no idea and yeah you gotta think there's some pioneers out there like i kind of feel that we wouldn't be this electronic as an american music scene if it wasn't for the postal service you know what i mean like yeah that's one of those pivotal records Dang. that i think like it or, or not, that Postal Service record, I think, is pivotal in how it kind of sparked an idea like, oh, I can do this at home, which brought on a whole lo-fi wave, I think. Yeah, dude, I think you're absolutely uh, you're absolutely right. Like that Postal Service record is a pretty pivotal thing, you know? Yeah. The mainstream in a lot of ways hadn't heard like a lo-fi project like that, or at least not in a while. And Garden State came out near the same time with a bunch of experimental singer-songwriter and bands, right. you know? Yeah, breaking the shins and stuff. Yeah, big time. Yeah, the crazy thing about that that Cockatoo Twins record, the Heaven or Las Vegas, it there's no... Uh, it's all drum machines. It's from 1990, and it's all drum machines. And the drums sound huge, dude. It sounds like a Phil Collins record. <laughs> it's <laughs> I love insane, it. dude. It, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, send you a couple tracks from that to check out. Yeah, I just, I just pulled it up here on Spotify. I'm going to leave this up Crush so I can it, dude. check it out, too. Crush it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1990 there it is. Yeah, it's the, the oh, my God, this, this tells you it's a pop record. It's 10 songs and 37 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, dude, it's great. Um, also, I saw Harry Styles do this uh, live performance of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer recently. Ooh, amazing, dude! <laughs> so good. He That's did it on like he did it on like Howard Stern, I think. Howard huh. loves that dude. 
<laughs> that is why. I mean, who loves sounds Harry? Like it would work. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, he, he he made some good choices. He killed it too on SNL this year. I didn't see that, but yeah, it was very good. Talented fella. Um, what about as far as your your own music? I know that you're you're featured on the the track that we're gonna play the episode out. This Neutron track with from uh, Space Ranger. Yeah, I've been. Um, it's really weird you say that because uh, so I did that that release uh, in the winter in December. Space Ranger is a. Um, I mean, you'll hear it. It's like a soundscapey experimental synth. Um, project from my buddy Tyler Hobbs, who runs Van Studios in uh, Queen Creek, Arizona, and we'd we'd co-written for years. He's the cat that played drums for me back in my alt rock days, and uh, after that project dissolved in the early two thousands, we just kept making music together. And eventually, you know, I had a home studio. Eventually, he got a home studio, and over the last four or five years, he's put this project together. And this was actually. Um, a song he had for a while, last June or July, he sent me this track, and I fired up some cool, you know, 80s-inspired guitar-esque tones that I grew up with, <laughs> and, you know, just played some cool, dreamy stuff, kind of a mix between, like I said, the old 80s stuff and then, like, a melodic Tycho approach. Yeah, dude, I got those vibes listening to this track for sure. This is, it's, uh... It's my favorite out of the tracks that we're going to feature today on this oh, episode right on, for sure. And I He's really dig, love to hear that. I really dig the spoken word stuff at the end from like the future, uh, the futuristic robotic voice coming at you. You know, it feels feels kind of like maybe it could be a Westworld host speaking these yeah. words. Yeah, and it it's weird because now more than even when the song came out, that message from her at the end is yeah. important. Also, why I wanted to play it out, like the episode yeah, nice. out with it, I, I thought that that would be super fun to have at the uh, the end of this thing. Tyler's uh, he's got some mystery to him, and every once in a while, I asked him where he got that spoken word, and, and he didn't tell me, or we didn't address it. But I like now not knowing where he got that from. We did another track uh, back in twenty twelve esque where that we had an outro part with like a marching snare and huge. Uh, strings and we pulled a bit of a speech from Mahatma Gandhi from YouTube and put that there like a disto yeah distant in the past echoing type so we've kind of dabbled in that stuff but yeah he sent me this track and I just I loved it it inspired me to pick up my guitar I was like dude I'd love to play something to this and then that months went by and in October he let me know hey this is coming out in December and uh yeah I'm really proud of it super dope yeah I've been trying to uh find cool movie moments to to pull to uh to place in these dj mixes over some of the instrumental tracks and it's been super fun to try to wield those throughout some of the tracks it's effective yeah absolutely and it's cool to just like maybe pull something that that people won't be able to identify right away just to make them think about it too give them that that feeling of they know what it is but they can't place it and have to yeah. do that whole mental struggle a little uh scavenger hunt for these <laughs> audio clips yeah i bet that's cool i love that idea i mean i i the theatrics of having 
voiceover. I think maybe in a past life, I was one of the kids that sat in front of, you know, the old timey radios and listened to the fireside chats from the president. But <laughs> I also think like a part of me loves that storytelling side because I, I pivotal record for me growing up was Operation Mindcrime from Queensryche. So that was like all about between the cuts, a concept record telling a story. So anytime I hear voiceover in a, in a track, I, I kind of tugs on my heartstrings for sure man you you know sucker for the the storytelling that's right <laughs> even in your your approach to you know recording music with people you're you're just like down for the story and you want to understand what the message is and whatnot it seems like yeah lyrics lyrics are important i think some songs don't require great lyrics but i think if you want to make a memorable song it's lyrics that people stick to yeah you can have a dope hook and you can have dope beats but it's the people with the catchy cool lyrics those are the songs we remember the stories we relate to that's the stuff that i mean you you look at uh lizzo holy shit she's a lyricist holy shit and people remember her and she's blowing up in the pop scene over the last two years because she's a great lyricist yeah for sure um that's why it's also crazy, though, when somebody can make an instrumental song that really seems to take the world by storm, you know, something hooky in that nature. Yeah. Um, Old, I think Herbie Hancock's the only one to have a top 40 instrumental. Really? Yeah, from the 80s. He did a, like, a, I don't know if it was used for um, the Beverly Hills Cop series but it sounds like it could have been used <laughs> in that era yeah dude is in those headhunter days probably getting all totally wigged out with those those synths and everything oh yeah he went down the rabbit hole dude i saw that dude like two years ago at the schnitz here and um that was one of like the craziest concerts i've ever seen just this 70 year old man just <laughs> shredding on keys and then he gets on the guitar dude He's doing all this wild stuff. They go so far down the rabbit hole with the, the music <laughs> where you're just trying to figure out if they're ever going to make their way back out and somehow they grasp onto something and fucking bring it, bring it all back and whatnot. It's just like, feels like you're on mushrooms the whole time. Just a psychedelic <laughs> trip. And what's cool with those cats too is you know they haven't played it that way before. You know they're improving through a lot of that stuff. Yeah, dude. They're riding it out with everybody else. It's the best. Um, what else have you been working on anything else music wise yourself? Yeah, I, um, just last week found an old box here in the studio. It had a bunch of old CDs and some of them were unmarked and I started going through and finding that they were like just old demo CDs. And I'm hearing some of these songs. I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to make a playlist here in iTunes. And so I've got a, a list of about 10 songs that I'm going to produce out and, uh, I don't have the details yet. I will announce this contest. This is actually the first time in public I'm going to talk about it. So this is, I'm um, springing this announcement on you, if you don't mind. Exclusive. Exclusive <laughs> announcement. Uh, coming up here pretty soon, hopefully by early May, I'll launch it with, um, you know, the rules and everything. But I'm going to be putting out a contest for track 11 of uh, people to do submissions to me here for like a minute and a half to two minutes worth of a song. Uh, that isn't, please for the love of God, that isn't about COVID or quarantine itself, but I'm looking <laughs> for a song that's like 
give me something uplifting, anthemic, something that makes you feel good and and uh, uplifted. And I'm just uh, between myself and a group of producers I work with. We're gonna pick the winning song. I'm gonna hand out a free full song production and mix um, to the song that I think deserves it. That's rad. Yeah, so that's gonna be fun to do. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking to do that in 2020 along with some other songwriting. Like I said, I'm doing some co-writing with Kingsley and some other artists. So. Uh, yeah, the, doing some stuff that I'm originally working on is uh, definitely on the 2020 book. Hell yeah, dude. Um, any records that you've been diving into heavy? You know what? Um, I'm unfortunately in the in the singles era. Um, but well, that's fine too. You know, yeah. any bands in general that you just like think people should know what's going on with? Yeah, for sure. Um, local shout-outs, for sure. Uh, Bo Bascoro just released a single. I've always been a fan of Bo. Power pop, just great vocalist. Uh, produced by Justin Abel. They always do really good work together. Uh, 40 Feet Tall just released a couple killer rock Dude, tracks. both those songs are really great. I listened to those today, actually. Yeah, David Pollock um, produced those, and he's... He's badass, dude. As well. I yeah. had him on the podcast, like, a couple months ago. And uh, was such a fun hang with that dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a he's a good time. He's he's so unassuming, but as soon as he lets his guard down, you're like, oh, this cat. So <laughs> rad, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Other like national bands. The Wildlife is really cool. They're a great pop band. Um, Future Junior's a singer songwriter. I've just totally loved, and also I'm really into uh, the new Fantagram. That single dear god Ooh. is really good i haven't checked that out yet i'm gonna have to see what it's about yep uh, they've they've been solid for years and phil phil good p-h-i-l good he's a singer songwriter doing some cool like lo-fi pop bedroom stuff that's nice. definitely worth checking out very cool man um appreciate you uh jumping on the line it's fun to get to uh to catch up with you yeah it hasn't ever been under weirder circumstances than the world <laughs> yeah man right it's just like where we're at is like you have if you want to hang with people this you have to do some sort of virtual you know facetime or phone call situation you know go old school with it and jump on the phone with somebody if you actually want to hang out in some way yeah there's gonna be a lot of priorities reset after this i believe i i I look forward to the day when we can all fucking pack into the Doug Fur shoulder to shoulder and celebrate oh, being at a local show. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's coming. Yeah. I also look forward to that day. I look forward to uh, to hopefully getting to hang out with you in the flesh in the in the near future. Hopefully Absolutely. We can, we can go see another fucked up movie together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go see what we can stomach in the theater. <laughs> um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we get the Luke Neal, it's a program. We can properly sail this thing out. It's a program. He I'm Luke it. Neal, and I approve this it's a program. <laughs> Super official. Yeah, it's he an election year. It. It's an election year. <laughs> you know, if you need uh, some producing, you know, you should hit Luke up. I'll definitely put all the uh, 
the links in the episode notes so people can uh, can follow what you're doing and uh, they can contact you if they have any production needs. Yeah, and, I appreciate that, man. I And shout out to everyone I've worked with or will work with. I feel extremely fortunate to be uh, on the creative side of the Portland music scene. It's very cool, man. We're going to play it out with this Neutron track from Space Ranger, which features uh, features you doing your thing. Yeah, you'll hear uh, the lead guitar, Diddy. That's that's me. Well, uh, yeah, really, really dug this track a lot. So stoked to uh, play the episode out with this. And uh, yeah, man, super fun to, to get to catch up with you. Yeah, always a good time. I appreciate it, man. And that's the Jelly Jams, everybody. We will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Peace. never quite feeling like you're a grown-up at all. However old you feel, know that life is often more beautiful than we think. So don't forget to stop and look at it once in a while. You won't regret it.
I'm Luke Neal, and I approve this. It's a program. <laughs>